If you don't know me yet, my name is Dorothy, and I'm a first-year intern here. Um, I love to run, even though I know that's weird to a lot of people. Uh, I love to read fantasy novels by people like Brandon Sanderson or David Eddings. And when I'm with people, I love to hike, cook food, watch movies. Two of my favorites are The Prestige and Goodwill Hunting. Um, so, I met this one guy my freshman year of college. <laughs> and we became pretty close friends. We had talks about abstract things and Bible topics all the time. And it wasn't until our junior year, when we were both single, and then we realized we really liked each other. So now you all know him as Jeremy. And a couple of months ago, he proposed to me, and it made me so happy. Uh, I'm so excited to marry this incredible man of God in a couple of months. So he's going to join my family. So speaking of family, here's a picture of us. Um, it's my mom, my dad, and my brother Warren. And yes, those are super awkward Christmas sweaters. <laughs> uh, so, and my brother's really tall. But... Uh, I just love all of our awkward expressions in that picture. <laughs> so, speaking of my childhood, here's a story. Um, so, starting in first grade, I took piano lessons. How many of you guys took music lessons as a kid? Yes. So, I loved music, and I had dreams of being a great piano player. Um, but did I want to practice? No. <laughs> so, imagine this with me. Week after week, I would come to my lesson, and my teacher would ask me if I practiced, and I would stare down at the keys, all sheepish, and be like, no. Uh, and she would sigh and tell me, like, we can't keep doing this if you ever want to, like, make progress. And then we would practice skills. Um, and this pattern continued for nine years. <laughs> That's a long time, right? So anyone who had practiced could have become really good at piano in that amount of time. Uh, but I totally and completely wasted that chance. Um, now I'm left with a few puny party trick songs, like Chopsticks, or <laughs> <laughs> and I'm nowhere, the, nowhere near the musician I hope to be. Um, but I wanted to be really good at it instantaneously. Does anyone else want things instantaneously? I didn't want to do the hard work. I wanted it now, and I didn't want to work to have it later. So when have you wanted something now? When have you wanted to be good at something without putting in the effort? <laughs> Jesus had something to say about this to you and I. Oh, and the people of his day, too. Um, but before we dive into that, let's pray. So... Dear Jesus, thank you so much that your word has such powerful things to say to us. Um, I thank you for speaking to me, and I just pray that um, your words would come through, Lord, and that um, anything that's not yours and just mine, I pray that it would go by the wayside, Lord. pray that you speak to all of us um, just so strongly tonight. Amen. All right. So this quarter, we've been discovering the book of Matthew. Specifically, we've been learning about the kingdom of heaven. 
We've been learning how to image God, and last week we heard from Amanda how we don't need to be afraid of people. We don't need to please them. The only person worth fearing is God, and he's the most loving king we could ever ask for. So now let's turn to Matthew 13 and see which story comes next. So we're going to start in verse 24. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. So I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I read a passage of the Bible with my eyes and my brain forgets to join in. <laughs> Does that ever happen to you? Do you ever forget to read these stories like they were told to a real-life audience? Do you ever forget that they are captivating? Today we need pretty faces like Chris Hemsworth, Ryan Gosling, or Scarlett Johansson, <laughs> but back then they just needed a good story. It came alive in their minds, not on a screen. How might you engage with the Bible more vividly? Well, so let's go through the story again. This time, can you put yourself in the story and imagine what's happening? Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed seed. What kind of seed? Good seed in his field. What comes to mind when you, with the phrase good seed? How do you think the farmer felt about the seed and the coming harvest? Now cue the bad guy music. The sun sets. While everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed seeds among the wheat and went away. So do you see the sunset? Do you see a dark figure creeping in and being sneaky? What do you think of the enemy? When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? So how would you feel as one of the servants? Would you get blamed? Would your master think you're a lazy bum? Would he want you replaced? No, an enemy did this, he replied. Life is full of enemies. Do you have any? This guy had enemies, real ones, ones that wanted to ruin his crop. The servant asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? Now, shouldn't he have said yes? They were ruining his crops. Wouldn't he have wanted to fix it? Why didn't he? Here's his answer. No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell, wait for it, tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. So what does this tell us about the farmer? The wheat is valuable to him. 
he won't risk hurting even one stalk. It also implies wheat and weeds look really similar when they're young. But decades of living show pretty clearly if you are a stalk of wheat or a weed. So what would it look like to go the whole summer staring at a weedy field? Do you think burning the weeds would have been satisfying? What would it be like to wait until the very end to have the harvest you were planning on from the start? So if you guys aren't familiar, this story is called a parable. It's the type of story that the teachers of the day used to instruct people. Rather than giving you truth statements, parables wrap their lessons in stories. These stories were really relevant to Jesus' audience. Farming was something everyone either did or knew about. So Jesus uses the story to teach a lesson indirectly. He would be telling the story, everything would be making sense, and then, boom, it would surprise you. Those surprises pointed to something he wanted you to learn. By asking what happened, you discover for yourself the truth. Jesus uses these stories about ordinary things to teach us about God and how he relates to us, his creation. So this story isn't just about wheat. Let's slow down and ask, what does this story mean? So how do you guys imagine this story? What do you think Jesus was trying to say? What are the weeds? What is the wheat? Why didn't the farmer want the weeds pulled up right away? So for this parable, Jesus actually points out some of these answers, but it's still good for us to ponder them before we take a look. So let's read on. So skipping down to verse 36, then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out his kingdom, everything that causes sin, and all who do evil. They will throw them into the burning furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Okay, so now we see that the farmer is the son of man, a.k.a. Jesus. The field is the world. The good seed is the people of the kingdom of heaven. The weeds are the people of the evil one, a.k.a. the devil. And the harvest is the end of the age. So two concepts in here that need a little more discussion. The kingdom of heaven and the end of the age. Let's start with the kingdom of heaven. So what have we learned this quarter about the kingdom of heaven. We've seen that the kingdom is the rule of God over his creation. We have learned that people who are in the kingdom of heaven serve God as their king. Rather than downing God, citizens of the kingdom trust him. They know there's a serpent and they've turned completely away in order to trust their king. Now what is the end of the age? At the end of the age, God will judge everyone on earth. He will separate those who are in his kingdom from all that causes evil. He will punish those who do evil, but will establish a pure kingdom for those who are righteous. 
that is for everyone who calls God their king. While good and evil are currently mixed together, at the end of the age will be separated. We often call this judgment day. So one question we must ask ourselves is, which kingdom am I in? Which kingdom do I put on display? Which kingdom does my heart belong to? So what were the people listening to this message thinking? The people of Israel had been, ooh, let me start over. The people of Israel had been waiting for centuries for God to come back and free them from oppression. They were expecting God to send a Messiah to rescue them from the Romans. You see, at this point in history, Jewish people were under the occupation by the Roman Empire, and it wasn't fun. Um, they longed for freedom. They wanted to have their own sovereign nation again. Wouldn't you? They expected God to restore the kingdom of Israel and punish all their enemies. They expected the kingdom of heaven to come all at once. They were expecting the Messiah to come and right all the wrongs and execute justice. But what did God do? Instead of overthrowing the Romans in a bloody revolution, Jesus' blood was shed. Instead of bringing heaven's kingdom all at once, Jesus came to get it started, like planting seeds in a field. Instead of tearing all the weeds of evil out of the world, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit into people's hearts to grow them into their strong, hardy wheat, wheat that looked drastically different from weeds. The separation of the wheat and the weeds was still to come. They were still mixed together. I bet you guys are a lot like me, and you want things now. Maybe all of us humans want things now. Don't you think the Jews of Jesus' day wanted the kingdom of heaven to come now? Wanted the Romans overthrown now? Oh, you betcha. Imagine how frustrating and confusing this would have been for all of the Jews. It was their revolution, and they wanted it now. Wouldn't this waiting period seem a bit disappointing? The Jews wanted the revolution now. They wanted deliverance from oppression now. And they wanted to spend eternity with God now. Do you ever want things now? Do you ever want God to fix all the brokenness around us now? So on a goofy note, the story reminded me of this commercial. It's my money and I want it now. <laughs> oh no, it doesn't have sound. But so how many of you guys have seen that commercial before though? Yes. Okay. So then we all know the noise in the back of our heads, right? My brother and I would like yell that across our house, like, it's my money and I want it now. <laughs> so alright, so going back to my piano story, I wanted to be a great piano player immediately. I didn't want to do the hard work, and I didn't have the patience. I wanted to be good at piano now. <laughs> but we can take this another step deeper, right? Can I tell you a little more recent story? So a couple of months ago, I was pretty bummed. I was juggling a bunch of hard things. How do I lead SBO? 
how do I tell my parents I want to keep doing ministry? How do I plan a wedding? How do I write a message? How do I get all of my work done and still have time to hang out with Jeremy and my friends? How do I love my family when they've been having a rough year? It goes on and on and on, right? I got so busy looking at all the hard things and all the how-to questions that I ended up having a pity party. I got so grumpy with God. I started asking him snarky questions like, if you're so great and loving, where are you? Right? Why do you ask us to join you in suffering? That's not a question I want to answer. Right? So if I'm being honest, my problems weren't all that big. My real problem was my attitude. I wanted to have the perfect SBO now. I wanted my parents to love Chi Alpha now. I wanted to be married now. I wanted to be a talented speaker now. And I wanted the perfect work-life balance now. I wanted to be the perfect sister and daughter now. But I wasn't ready to wade through the tough processes that would, that would, ooh. I wasn't ready to wade through the tough processes that would make much deeper and lasting changes. Rather than growing and persevering, I wanted to be good at things right away. I wanted all the hard things to just go away. So what are you impatient with? Do you want to know all of the Bible without ever reading a confusing story? Do you want to be a CEO without being a lowly intern? Do you want to be generous without practicing giving a few dollars now? Do you want to be a leader without being a good team member or a good follower? Do you want to do great things for God without letting him heal the broken, icky, and weedy parts of you? Do you want to have sex without waiting for the security of marriage? Do you want to? The list goes on and on. And you guys sound just like me, right? We all have these things. But the quick fixes don't work, do they? Without hours of practice, I couldn't become a brilliant pianist. Without hours of drills, I couldn't become a star soccer player. And without hours of reading the Bible, praying, living in community with other believers, we can't live bearing the image of God. So if Jesus isn't about quick fixes, what is his plan? When Jesus came down to earth, he was bringing the kingdom, but he was doing it from the inside out, inside of each of us. Rather than getting rid of all of the evil in the world all at once, he's given the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. Through this process, each of us who follow God is constantly, be, is constantly being reformed into the image of God. So how is God reforming you from the inside out? How can you actively partner with him in that process? But the plan doesn't just end with us. What about all the evil in the world? So God knows that the world is a mix of evil and good. And I think that's so important for us to know, right? I think that sounds simple, but we decide to ignore that most of the time. God knows that the world is a mix of evil and good. And he thinks the evil is worthy of judgment. But he wants to give all of the weed a chance. 
he's giving everyone a choice. They can become a part of the kingdom of God. He is waiting so that when he finally pulls out the weeds, none of the wheat will be in danger. So how does this change your view of God? God cares about the injustice you see and the hurt you feel, but he's giving everyone a chance to choose him, to choose the better way. They get to choose before he destroys all the evil. How does knowing this change your relationship with God? So, what is our role in this in-between time? What do we do when the kingdoms of God and evil are still mixed together? Do we just watch Netflix, twiddle our thumbs? I don't think so. We must let go of the idea that the evil will disappear at the snap of our fingers. We must let go of the idea that we'll become perfect without persevering. Instead, we must partner with the Holy Spirit, who's already inside of us, so that we can become more like Jesus. So what might that look like for you? We must partner with the Holy Spirit so we can tell more people about who Jesus is. We must partner with him so more people have the chance to choose our king. So talk about God so that no one who could have been a stalk of wheat gets mistaken for a weed. What can you do today to join God's purpose in this in-between time? So as we enter a time of worship, I'd like to invite the worship team up. So in conclusion, Jesus didn't bring the kingdom all at once because he didn't want to do a quick fix. He wanted us to grow and to mature. He has sown good seeds in our hearts so we can learn and grow up to be citizens of the kingdom of heaven. He wants to change us from the inside out. So rather than pulling up all the weeds in the world right away, he executes a plan that requires a lot more time. He executes a plan that includes us. With the Holy Spirit inside of us, we get to partner with God. Through us, more people can become a part of the kingdom of heaven. So let's consider these reflection questions as we move into worship. What weedy areas of your life does Jesus want to change? What, plant, what parts of your life were planted by the enemy and not by God? In what areas of your life do you have a I want it now mentality? How might you submit that area to God and let him change your heart? How might you embrace the patience and perseverance that heart change requires? How can you partner with the Holy Spirit to heal the world from the inside out? How, who can you share our patient, loving, and just King with? Knowing that God cares about all the brokenness around us, how can you partner with him to heal it? All right, let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much that you are a patient King, Lord, that you want to give everyone a chance to choose you, Lord. I pray that all of us would submit our weedy lives to you, Lord, and help you just partner with us to turn us inside out, God, to change our heart first. God, and I pray that you would move us and make us bold 
so that we can share you with others, Lord, so that other people can choose you as their king. Lord, I thank you for all that you've already done in our hearts and how we're so far along in the process already. Amen.